all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. Today's a much anticipated topic, dermatology. I said that and everybody is secretly excited. (laughs) Dermatologists are kind of like Mr. Snuffleupagus. You hear about them, but they don't really exist (laughs) because it's so hard to ever see them. Nobody ever sees them except Big Bird. you have a dermatology appointment, that is the appointment you are not missing because it will be five or six months before you have an opportunity to see them again. (laughs) Our guest today is Dr. Jasmine Hollinger, who has been a guest with us before, and we always love to have her in. She is Associate Professor uh, of Dermatology at UMMC, and she is an expert on all things skin. And you know what? This is a perfect time to have this conversation because um, people have all kinds of things that influence and impact their skin, which is the largest largest organ system in the body, right? Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. We are the largest. Fun fact. <laughs> Owen's fun fact thrown out there. Um, and and now as the weather is changing, because mm-hmm. like fall came in overnight. <laughs> yes, it, it just decided it would ride in on the tails of Halloween. Hello, <laughs> and um, and so there are all kinds of things that you will need to do, taking into consideration the changes in the weather to mm-hmm. kind of protect your skin. Um, and at some point in time, I will even share some things that these are great being on the show. Um, I learn things just as I'm helping to like facilitate the show and, and uh, having uh, different guests. And as we're planning and doing research, there's so many things that I learned. And so I'll even share with you my little special skin tip that I picked up that has been very <laughs> helpful for me. So there's a little extra special nugget. Um, that number to call, guys, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. The phone lines are wide open. And we are taking all of your calls. Um, if you have issues related to um, eczema or acne or um, if you are a person who suffers from just really dry skin, you know, sometimes uh, the winter time or the transition from uh, summer when it's really humid and, and the issue of moisture and oil transitions when it gets um, a little cooler and we are inside and there's more whether it's heat or heating systems that we're exposed to or the drying effects of cooler weather um, on our skin. So how do you protect yourself and optimize your overall skin health? Any of those questions, problems that you're having, please give us a call. We would love to take your calls. Good morning. Dr. Hollinger, how good. are you? I'm doing good, and you? Dr. Hollinger Thank is you. so darn cute. She's So you know all dermatologists are like these fabulously beautiful people, right? They got great hair. They have great skin. So they're secretly the people that we kind of like like to hate. But, um, but you come in with this like big, fantastic smile. And because you are a, a, a little a woman of 
great presence, but small stature. Um, <laughs> as we're walking in this morning, Dr. Hollinger was confused for a for a child. <laughs> I <laughs> Just get kind that of often. a compliment. <laughs> a compliment. Uh, so anyway, so good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you are here. I just told people she's my little sister. See if we can pan that off. Um, so tell everybody who is listening for the first time or who might not have had the opportunity to know a little bit about you. Tell them a little bit about you. Um, so I am uh, born and raised Jackson, Mississippi. Hometown uh, girl. Yes, hometown girl. Uh, went off to uh, college at Wash U in St. Louis, came back home from medical school, and now I'm working there. Uh and, um, yeah, so I'm just happy to be here. Any derm, dermatology questions you guys have, you know, I might not have all the right answers, but I can definitely try my best. <laughs> so, um, you, so tell me a little bit. So people, when do, when do you know when you need to see a dermatologist? I mean, does everybody need to see a dermatologist at some point? Unbiased answer, right? Uh, yeah, that is, <laughs> I think we all have some type of skin issue at some point in our lives. Um, so I think that it kind of just depends. Um, you know, family history uh, plays a huge role, especially for patients who uh, may have had, you know, family history of skin cancer. I think those are patients who definitely um, should uh, be seen at some point. Also, if you've had skin cancer uh, yourself, you definitely need to be seen by a term- dermatologist to be evaluated. Um, if you're a person that suffers from certain chronic skin disorders like eczema, um, psoriasis, uh, those types of things uh being seen by a dermatologist is great hair loss uh we specialize in that as well which um, some people might know as alopecia mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then for some people it's just hair loss but if somebody's mm-hmm. ever if i heard the term alopecia then um that's exactly what it's referring to mm-hmm. yep just hair loss yep yeah. uh acne you know we treat a lot of acne so um you can definitely be seen by a dermatologist for that uh, especially if if your primary care provider or pediatrician isn't able to quite handle it um or get it as controlled as as uh they would like a lot of times we'll see those patients as well. So I'm so. really glad that you said that because mm-hmm. that was a great toss up to um, our first caller who's on the line. We are going to hear from Joe who's calling from Memphis. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, ladies. Good How morning. are you? I'm doing all right. I'm really having a problem with some ingrown hairs lately. I, I don't shave every day, and when I do, I use a beard trimmer. Um, seems that shavers just get too close to my skin. And so I do that about every three or four days, but I scrub my face and I'm still having problems with ingrown hairs and blackheads on the side of my face, on my ears. And I don't want to scrub my face too hard, but I'm washing it three or four times a day. Well, you definitely don't need to uh, wash your face that often, especially this time of year, because you don't want to um, dry your skin out. But it sounds like from what you're saying is you may have um, what we call pseudofolliculitis barbae or what uh, most guys term it as just hair bumps. And so that can happen uh, if the hair um, is cut too clean shaven. And once the hair is trying to grow back out, it gets trapped under the skin and the skin doesn't 
doesn't like the hair to be trapped. And so it basically um, sets up inflammation and um, people can get those ingrown hairs. And so uh, one thing we say is if you can allow your hair to grow out, uh, that typically solves the problem. If not, we usually say don't, um, you know, try to use electric razors, try to use trimmers instead of um, manual razors. Uh, Try not to do uh, the clean shaven look. Um, Try to leave at least half an inch of the hair out. Ooh, would that be a five o'clock shadow? Yeah, five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yep, there right. you have it. Uh, I've been doing that for about fifteen years with the with the beard trimmer. And you, you know? could try the over the counter hair removal creams if you don't want to, um, you know, give up the trimmer. Um, so like your Vets, your Nairs, um, things like that to try to help get rid of the hair. Um, and can you do that on your face? Is the skin on your face more? So sometimes we hear the skin on your face is a little bit more mm-hmm. sensitive, or it may be mm-hmm. thinner. Mm-hmm. And so some of the skin, some of the depilatory, what they call depilatory mm-hmm. creams, or the hair removal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the hair removing creams you have. To be careful about yes. whether or not you put them on your face because they can mm-hmm. set your face aflame. They can. And yeah. so what we usually <laughs> say is uh, there are some that are a little like Oliva Olay makes a sensitive skin one. Um, and it can I, help you look younger too. It can. <laughs> <laughs> and we usually say try like a little test spot, you know, small right. area before applying it all over. I've, uh, I've tried lots of things. I mean, I'm 50 mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. I've, I've tried lots of things, but I'm I know that the narrow, you know, don't exfoliate with that. I know that. Yeah. So, Joe, is this something that has been a a recent change, or is like is this something that has just started to seem to happen, like in a certain period of time, or is this something that you struggled with off and on over the it, course of the time with your facial hair? It hasn't been that real apparent until I've gotten older and I moved to Mississippi about four years ago, and my my high blood pressure, I just. Uh, keep a constant sweat so i'm not too worried about washing my face too much and it drying out mm-hmm. i'm just um and i keep the hair growing out enough to where but i've been told to tweeze sometimes if i if, you know um, pull those ingrown hairs out if i if i can get a nub on one or something so what do you think what's your what is okay so she's got this like look of of like halloween on don't face tweeze right <laughs> Don't tweeze. Can you get somebody else? Can it, Can someone else tweeze? Is it self-tweezing that's the well, problem? Is it tweezing all together? It's tweezing all together okay. because most times you're not just catching the hair. You're catching the skin, too. So then that causes uh, can cause discoloration. And a little fun fact, actually, about tweezing. When you tweeze, it basically sends your hair into what we call the pre- um, antigen phase, which is the hair growth phase of our, of our hair. And so it basically sends it into the growth phase prematurely. So if you've ever tweezed hairs and you're like, oh gosh, I just tweezed it, and then you look up a week later, their hair is back because it makes it come back soon. That's why they say if you pluck it, too, it'll grow back in its place <laughs> yeah, because it grows faster. It sets it back into the ana- the growth phase. Yeah. Okay. See, we can we can end the show right here. I just my <laughs> mind is totally blown. You've like explained like the old wives' tale now. So it's true. They knew what they were talking about. Yeah. So I would definitely say get yourself checked um, just to find out exactly uh, what's going on and what some treatment options um, would benefit you. Because they may actually have. So you guys in your dermatology little toolbox, Mm -hmm. you guys have special prescription type Mm -hmm. of creams that may help to Mm -hmm. like provide something above and beyond what someone may get over the counter. 
counter Absolutely. or that may be a special mm-hmm. preparation that is uniquely designed for your type of skin, Joe. So that mm-hmm. may be a benefit for you if you haven't seen a dermatologist mm-hmm. to seek one out so that they can actually examine your skin, see what type of skin you have. The problem may not just necessarily be the hair, but it may be a way that they can either soften the skin or kind of help to keep that inflammation down with a topical cream or something else. And then that may help you to see an improvement in what you're experiencing. Absolutely. And to be asking about a pore shrinker, I mean, or, or pore reducer or something like that, and a cream or something that you could suggest. Or So over the counter now, there's something called Differin, um, which is a retinoid, which used to be prescription only, but now it's over the counter. And it's something we use for acne. Um, and so you could always start there. Uh, we also recommend retinoids for uh, hair bumps. So you could start there and see, uh, but it does help to shrink down all uh, the pores as well um and so you could definitely try there they have washes as well um if you you know weren't quite ready to go into the dermatologist's office you could try that over the counter and then we do have some prescription hair removal creams and then there's also laser hair removal so there are some um none over the counter alternatives as well Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your call, Joe. That was a great way to get uh, to get us started off. And we're going to stay on the phone lines and hear from, I hope this is G, who's calling from Eupora. And I think it might be a good follow-up to uh, Joe's prior call. Good morning. Good morning. What's your question? Question or comment? Well, just a little information uh, that um, there was a problem with uh, Afro-American skin with bumps. Uh, and there was a gentleman that created something that was called smooth skin. And that would cause, uh, when their hair is uh, coming through the pores, uh, when you shave, sometimes they may not come out straight. So this cream would allow the pores to open so the hair could come, come out of your skin straight. So when the hair come out in an angle, this would cause bumps, and which would irritate the skin. So this has worked, and this possibly maybe an answer to the gentleman to just call and it's i think it's called it was called smooth skin but you can it's an over-the-counter thing that you can get to help uh with the bumps uh from shaving so that has worked thank you yeah thanks so much for that sure all right um we are going to stay on the phones and we are going to hear from jerry who's calling us from bay springs good morning jerry Good morning. How are y'all? We are great. We're good. Okay. I love your show. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for that. My wife has been plagued for years with little cysts that develop on her breast, usually on the side, uh, on the shoulder side, and uh, they swell up, and I think she's had one or two of them lanced, but they turn into a real boil of some kind, and they leave scars behind. Do you have any idea what could be causing that? Uh, this sounds like something we call hydratinitis, um, which is, a lot for a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, they just uh, keep getting them lanced, and there's never really a true, they ne- never are truly diagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. But it is called hydratinitis, and it's a chronic uh, condition um, that really uh, just lancing and draining them is not going to um, get to the root of the issue. And so I would definitely say that she needs to be 
be evaluated. Uh, there are several ways that we can treat uh, hydratinitis, and so um, I think it's something she should definitely uh, get in and get treated because lancing them and draining them is not going to prevent them from coming back. Um, and so I definitely think she needs to come and uh, have that evaluated. Yeah, that- can you tell me how that's spelled? It's H I D R A D E N I T I S. So it's hydradenitis. And the second part of it is usually superativa. But um, hydradenitis, if you say that to a dermatologist, a surgeon, and usually if you say it to your um, your gynecologist, not yours, but a gynecologist, <laughs> um, then um any of those doctors, even, uh, you know, primary care doctors should um, recognize what that is. Um, it's very interesting, Jerry, that you bring that up because that's something that is very commonly found in women. And we can see it in other places. The underarms or the axillary area is what we call it. But under the arms around the breast is one area. Another place that it can occur is down near the genital area as well. So there are lots of different places that can be primarily affected by this. Um, it is something that we do commonly see in women so tell your wife that even though she may feel like she is alone in this she is not alone there are lots of women who suffer from it and unfortunately because sometimes it may just be two or three boils that come up they may either have them lanced or they may be put on short courses of antibiotics sometimes people will use antibiotics as primary treatment um but the true resolution usually requires a little bit more intensive type therapy if you want more definitive therapy um and it can be very um it can be very disheartening for women because sometimes they don't always look pretty. And so it can and it can be over time, it can be a little disfiguring and can create some scars and other things. So it's really important um, for her to have her, to be evaluated, as Dr. Hollinger said, and just make sure that if if that's not mentioned, then just very casually say, hey, what do you do? You think this could be hydradenitis if somebody doesn't mention that and what they're thinking about? Because that's exactly what when you started talking, that was the first thing that we both thought of is that that was what it sounds like. Yeah. Is that caused by a staph germ? Uh, no. So if hydronitis is one of those things we don't a hundred percent fully understand and believe it or not most of the time when people have drainage from these lesions they're typically what we call sterile meaning it's not necessarily infectious uh, but it can uh, these lesions can get infected secondarily by bacteria um, like staph and other bacteria getting in there Um, so a lot of times the antibiotics we're giving uh, are more so for the inflammation than actually getting rid of bacteria. But staph is one of the things that can, um, just because the skin is open, um, can get in there and then can cause more uh, more trouble for, um, for these areas. Okay. Thank you a lot. That's helpful. Wonderful, Jane. Thank Good you. luck to you and your wife. So it is time for us to take our first break of the hour. Again, guys, thanks for such great calls. We're looking forward to so many more coming up after this next break. This is Southern Remedy for Women, and we are talking dermatology. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And 
we're back. This is Southern Remedy for Women, and today's topic is dermatology. We have a real live dermatologist sitting with us in the studio, Dr. Jasmine Hollinger, who is Assistant Professor of Dermatology at UMMC. And we've been talking about bumps and boils, and I'm just excited about what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes. This is just mind-blowing. So the whole thing about the tweezing or plucking hairs and having a, it's usually about grays. So now we know it's all hair. All hair. But we have now had that mystery revealed. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Hollinger. I mean, I'm not, that's the one thing I've taken away from today. <laughs> don't tweeze. Like, I know. <laughs> Please don't tweeze. That's it. Please I like that tagline. <laughs> Please don't tweeze. That's it. Um, so, uh, once again, all of our phone lines are now open. That number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 That's 1-877-MPB-RING. Or you can drop us an email to women at mpbonline.org. So, um, you said everybody typically has some kind of skin problem that at some point would lead them to a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to run through some of the more common things. So okay. we mentioned briefly, so issues related to um, the areas of the skin that have hair, hair follicles, um, and how they can have, there can be some inflammation or issues when the hair grows differently or abnormally. But let's just talk about just the regular run-of-the-mill stuff. So something that I think of, especially this time of the year, is like eczema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, eczema is... For a dermatologist, when we hear the word eczema, it can you're mean, like, what exactly? What kind? Yeah, exactly. then it leads to more questions. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a ba- it's a catch-all term, and so um, there's several different types, uh, but the ones you know probably most commonly uh, run into would be uh, atopic dermatitis or a- atopic eczema, which is the one uh, most people are familiar with. That you start out most times, you get it as a child. And then sometimes it goes away, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and that's the one that really uh, the wintertime can uh, wreak havoc. Uh, so that's usually on the folds of the arm, backs of the knees. Um, it can be on the back, the belly, and younger kids on the face. Um, and so um, this time of year is, is tough because it's so dry. Um, so we really, really advocate moisturizing, 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 um, at least a minimum of twice a day. Um, if you can do more, the more the merrier. Um, so so that, what kind of moisturizing? Do, what is that? So what exactly does moisturizing mean? Is moisturizing moisture or is moisturizing just like... Like, is it oil? Is it like, what does that what exactly mean? does that mean? So in somebody who has eczema, um, their skin barrier is disrupted. So they can't, they have a hard time of retaining moisture. Okay. Um, so we have, you know, ways in our skin to retain moisture um, naturally. And so basically what you're doing is trying to add back um, what you've lost and to try to um, help provide a barrier to the skin that's been disrupted. So So basically, we like to say either something thick and creamy. Uh, So some examples would be um, Vanicream, CeraVe, uh, Cetaphil, or something greasy. And some people with eczema, you know, greasy stuff works better. Some um, creamy stuff works better. You just kind of have to see what your skin likes. Yeah, because my cousin's Mm -hmm. kid had eczema, and Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, we need to moisturize. And then she slathers on this... (laughs) 
is Vaseline. And I was like, Vaseline? Well, you know, Vaseline. So when you said, when you said, uh, well, I was like, okay, I, I'm going to step back. I'm going to, exactly. (laughs) I'm stepping back and reserving my judgment now because I'm sitting back and I'm like, that's just Vaseline. I don't know. You're making the baby greasy, but I don't know if you're really like, if, I, I was a little confused because it's oil, and I'm like, the, uh-huh. "How's that? What, what does that do with moisture?" But I guess it's about the sealing it in, sealing it so in, that's the exactly. Point. Yep, yep. Okay. To help seal it I, in, I got that. Yep. Sealing it in, but stay away from Aquaphor if you have eczema because it has lanolin in it. That's her favorite term. I said, "You do realize that that is a diluted version of Vaseline? It right? is just fancier packaging, it, but that and is more correct. expensive, and more expensive. Exactly, and it's got lanolin, which we know is a common um, sensitivity in patients with." eczema so i would stay away from aquaphor with the lanolin in awesome it. okay mm-hmm. so we are we've got a couple of callers on the line and so we are going to go to the phone lines and hear from Jean, who's calling from pontotoc good morning Jean. good morning thanks for taking my call i had since you were talking about not tweezing as i've got older i get the wild hairs on my face which most women do and I was shaving them, telling somebody I was shaving them, and they said, oh, don't do that. That makes your hair stiff on your face. Is that true, or is that an old wise tale? So according to our textbook, uh, our Bible of dermatology called Bologna, uh, after the information... That sounds like... Um, it sounds like a city. Yeah, is her name is Jean Bologna. She's the uh, big dermatologist at Yale. So according to the textbook, shaving um, does not uh, cause any type of uh, thickening of the hair, premature growth. Although in my own personal experience, I don't think that that's necessarily true. But, so what do, you um, see cli- what do you see clinically? Do you see what, what Jean's saying? Do you see that the hair appears? Does it at least appear stiffer or whatever? Yeah, when it, it can, especially gray hairs. And I think what happens is it's basically because you're... Um, you're shaving basically at the top. You're not getting um, to the root of the hair. And so I think my own conjecture is that um, it's just basically stimulating um, the hairs to just grow back a little bit faster. Although yeah. the textbook <laughs> says otherwise. Tweezing the textbook oh. says it's <laughs> but the text our textbook says it doesn't. So, you know. But. So, <laughs> so tell me this. So, so for Jean, who's trying to to kind of keep those hairs mm-hmm. from growing that are probably, you know, due to some mm-hmm. of the hormonal changes and things that happen mm-hmm. in women as, as we continue to, to grow with grace. <laughs> and um, so what exactly would you recommend for someone like her mm-hmm. who may be noticing that they're getting more of these hairs around their faces or, you know, or more like in a male distribution mm-hmm. or male pattern hair growth with that's coming with age or what have you, what, what should, what are, what are we going to do about that? I know. So, cause since nobody's uh, found the fountain of youth quite yet, but, um, so what I usually always tell ladies who have, um, excessive hair growth in that male pattern I always tell them definitely communicate with your lovely gynecologist Oh yeah, uh, because you know hormones um, play a huge role. Sometimes it can be ethnicity. Sometimes it can be genetics. Um, things that sometimes we can't fight. It's other hormones too. Yeah. So it's not always mm-hmm. just a natural process. So if mm-hmm. you are noticing hair growth, I think being 
evaluated by a physician to make sure that there's no other mm-hmm. cause for mm-hmm. that hair growth mm-hmm. is also very important. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes if you're experiencing other symptoms along with the hair growth, that would be something that might signal to you that it may be something else besides just um, a normal transition or a normal part of aging. Um, mm-hmm. But that, I think that's also something to be aware of because mm-hmm. sometimes hair growth or changes in hair can be related to other underlying medical conditions. And so making sure that those kinds of things are ruled out is also really important. Exactly. Because you can treat the hair all day long, but if there's an underlying issue that's causing the hair to grow, then you're just basically bandaging the situation. Um, of course, well, we I'm, do. Oh. I'm sure it's you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's uh, hormonal, you mm-hmm. know, and they started after the change. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends have them. I think it's kind of, I think it's pretty normal, but mm-hmm. the bottom line is you're not supposed to tweeze them. No. Who can, who can see them anyway as your eyesight goes as well? <laughs> um, and... So the alternative is to shave them. Well, how about about waxing? Waxing Can you wax on your face? Waxing is fine as long as you're using someone who's licensed. Um, You know, don't just go you know, somebody's backyard or somewhere and have a wax party. Mm-hmm. Um, use somebody who's licensed and it's okay. Don't feel like you can't ask those questions. I'd like, like to know what neighborhood you live in if you're having wax parties <laughs> in your backyard. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> um, waxing is fine. Um, again, there are some prescription creams you can use. Um, there's also something um, that we use a lot uh, off-label, but we use a medication that's traditionally a blood pressure medicine called spironolactone um, mm-hmm. that can be of help um, for more hormonal, hormonally driven processes. Uh, so there are some options. Again, laser hair removal, so if it doesn't treat grays, uh, gray hair, white hair. Um, but there are some options, so don't feel like, you know, you just got to resort to your, you know, your razor. Um, but definitely no tweezing. Please don't tweeze, Jean. <laughs> yeah, please All don't tweeze. Right. Thank you. No, You're thank welcome. you so much. Well, our phone lines are lit up, so we are going to stay on them, and we are going to hear from Melissa, who's calling from Mobile. Good morning, Melissa. Hi there. I wanted to talk about annual body scans. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I know if you have had uh, skin cancer, it's something you would do, mm-hmm. but is there an age where you need to be having annual body scans, whether you've had um, any incidents of skin cancer or not? So um, this is one of those uh, questions we get. And unlike, you know, uh, when you get your wellness checks from your primary care doctor or your uh, gynecologist annual checks, and, you know, that's kind of hard, fast rule. This is when you start. This is kind of when you end. Um, with dermatology, we don't necessarily have um, the kind of standard of care to say absolutely everybody needs to have a full skin exam by a certain age. So what I usually tell patients, um, you kind of base it on what is your family history, your personal history. So if you know you've been somebody who tanned, um, went in the tanning bed, or you lived in Florida and you laid out, you've had sunburns. Melissa's, Melissa's laughing because so, you know Mobile's on the coast, right. so she's probably got a lot of good yeah. sun exposure. Right. I'm in my 60s. You know, we didn't have sunscreen. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So, you know, that generation, it was like, hey, spray it, put on the Crisco hair spray. I've heard oh, it all. Baby oil. Baby oil. oil with iodine. Right. I'll, I've heard I'll it all. I'll never forget that. <laughs> so I, I would did def- it one time and 
cooked myself. Oh like my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So note to self, don't do that. But, um, <laughs> but I, it sounds like you definitely miss Melissa would benefit. Um, and that would be at least annually, you know, and if every time you go, your skin is looking great, then that could always be pushed out to a year and a half. Um, but I say it's, you know, at least by 50, if you've had, um, those kind of exposures, um, you know, 40, 50, um, to get a baseline. And then especially by 60, if you've had, you know, never had one and you've been out in the sun a lot, I'd say it's worth at least just being checked. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, well, I am having, um, and I will say, because as you get older, you have all kinds of <laughs> things that change on your skin, you know, skin mm-hmm. tags and little red spots. And so it's been helpful for me to learn what all those are. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with them. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it's, I think when you do that regularly, one of the benefits of having regular surveillance is being able to learn your body and to mm-hmm. learn what's normal. And, and also, yeah. if you're doing it regularly, it gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. to call attention to those things that may pop up mm-hmm. Um and without it having been two or three years, and then you go, I don't know when that thing came up because right. you hadn't looked at it since the three years right. ago. So um, right. there definitely, there's definitely a benefit in the regularity. And sometimes, even when you have those negative examinations, those negative exams are really good just for a base reference in the event that right. something does come up positive because then you know it wasn't there and you mm-hmm. have a, a good marker for when it wasn't there mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So if something does come up during the year. You know at least how long you've had it. Exactly. And if you're getting a good full body scan, then the beauty of that is that there's somebody who's looking in places that you can't usually easily Mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. And that is my next question. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How extensive should that body scan be? Well, that's a tough one because <laughs> a lot of times it may de- depend on who you see. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, whenever a patient um, comes in and, you know, needs to check over, I start from the scalp and work my way down uh, mm-hmm. to the bottoms of the feet. Um, because a lot of times, you know, those are areas like your scalp. You can't most people have hair. You can't really see up there. Um, most people don't look between their toes or the bottoms of their feet. So I I go all the way down um, and, you know, basically get people uh, unclothed. Now, the more sensitive areas, I will ask if somebody has something there that they want to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. I don't just, you know, and I'm not a gynecologist, so I'm not going to be, you know, <laughs> looking too much into the lady parts. But, <laughs> but, um, but specifically areas that have had some sort of sun exposure, yes. or is it possible for the skin cancer to okay. come up in some other area? So I can tell you for sure that there, there are definitely um, the risk of developing skin cancers, especially you, typically their squamous cell cancers. Um, can occur in your quote lady parts as we said um, and so your OBGYN should really be as and that's what the benefit you know we talk about well am I getting pap smears if I'm not getting a pap smear I shouldn't go well actually that's the opportunity for those of us who okay. do see the lady parts a lot to be able to look at those because we do we mm-hmm. actually inspect so, and we so look for those possible. changes it is possible for yes. a cancer to show up somewhere that was not sun exposed correct yes. Yes. that is correct and the same goes mm-hmm. For men, 
Yes, mm-hmm. it can. Yes, there are definitely melanomas um, can show up in, in non-sun exposed uh, basal HP, cells. HPV mediated mm-hmm. cancers mm-hmm. can also show mm-hmm. up in non-sun exposed mm-hmm. areas. So yeah, so you know places that we, like I said, we don't think to check like our scalp uh, bottoms of our feet um, like Dr. Owen said, you know, the private areas. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all areas that, believe it or not, yep, those things can show mm-hmm. up. So Absolutely. it's important to have them okay. checked. Mm-hmm. So, so we can put the onus on our uh, OBGYN a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> and just look, and it's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking when you're getting oh, no, your exam. No, what exactly? Not. What exactly? What are you doing? What are you looking for? And all oh, those absolutely. things. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I have no problem. That's, I just want now. I want to make sure that she understands. I'm, you know, my expectation is that she's she's looking for that. Absolutely. So, um, All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you you so much for your call. So now we are going to stay on the phone lines and hear from Dr. Allie Brown, who has a question for the dermatologist. Good morning, Dr. Brown. Hi, ladies. Good morning. I couldn't be there with you guys. Oh, no. You are where you need to be, (laughs) and our hearts are with you. Absolutely. (laughs) But, of course, as Dr. Hollander knows, I always have a question for her. (laughs) So you had to just call. (laughs) I had to call. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about perioral dermatitis. That's okay. something that I get from time to time, and it's, okay. so, it's like stays around forever. It's like warm and itchy, and then mm-hmm. it gets all flaky and little pustules. Mm-hmm. And I have every I have every skin problem. I got nasty skin. But <laughs> can you talk a little bit about perioral dermatitis and what dermatologists how it's treated um, and how to avoid getting it? So, um, oh gosh, you know, I I say I'm gonna come up with some cures for things and just start selling on the street corner and I'll never have to work a day in my life if I can figure out some cures for something. Indeed. That's like the doctor's (laughs) plight, right? Um, but a lot of folks think it is a variant of rosacea. Um, so for some folks, um, you know, we do have some known triggers so uh if somebody you know you has been using topical steroids on the face or somebody has asthma and they're using an inhaler with steroids um so if you've ever you know use anything topically with like a steroid in it um that can be a trigger but if not um for the rest of the folks that don't have that history um a lot of the thought is is that it's truly a, a form of rosacea and so typically uh to treat it um i like to use um pomicrolimus or elodil um mixed with clindamycin lotion uh to try to help hit it twofold uh to hit it from the inflammatory component um and if there's any you know bacteria there and then sometimes, just depending on how bad it is, we'll do um, an oral antibiotic like doxycycline or minocycline. Um, but for most folks, once you treat it, it kind of, it's, it's not as, um, with typical rosacea, it's more of one of those things that kind of comes, goes, waxes and wanes. But a lot of times, once uh, perioral dermatitis is treated appropriate, a lot of times it'll kind of, it'll stay gone. And people may have a flare every blue moon, but for most folks, it'll stay gone um, and they're typically not bothered um, by it but sometimes you can't have that person there too who will kind of have more of a a chronic uh, course and struggle with it so um, you know where I am for now I did did have a cream that was prescribed to me by my um, my 
prosthetic person out in town that mm-hmm. um, did have a, some steroid in it, and that's when it all started. So <gasps> I, I, I immediately discontinued. Yes, I immediately discontinued that. But also use Aquaphor on my lips. Maybe I should start with <gasps> Aquaphor. Yes, because that's oh, a other, that's a good I'm point. So that's a good point because sometimes, a lot of times for ladies especially, when you have rashes and lumps and bumps on the face, a lot of times it may be a component of a contact dermatitis due to what you're using. So you may truly just have a dermatitis, rosacea-like picture, but it may be confounded by some of the products that you've used. And so a lot of times we may have to end up getting folks patch tested if the traditional means of treating doesn't work. So um, I would say, you know, hey, if this is if it's not getting better with some of the traditional treatments, then patch testing may be in your future. Well, I'm going to take this aquaphor and put it in the garbage. Yes, I would use like Cetaphil, Vanny Cream, um, mm-hmm. CeraVe, those are usually a little, a little more friendly for folks with um, rosacea, rosacea-prone skin, um, and just you know, you just see what what you what your skin responds to. But yeah, I would leave the Aquaphor alone. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. No, the Aquaphor, and please don't tweeze. Okay, so <laughs> we so um, right before we take our next break, I want to hear from. Renee, who's calling us from Utica. Renee has been, she gets the most patient person of the <laughs> of the show so far award. Um, and so, good morning, Renee. How are you? Hello? Renee? Okay, wait, wait, wait. I think I heard you. Are you there? Hello? Okay, so we're having a little difficulty um, hearing Renee. Renee, if you have an opportunity to, um, well, I see we'll try to see if we can catch up with you on the line. If not, give us a call back because we do have a couple of lines still open because we do want to get to um, to your question. And again, thank you so much for your patience. It's about time for us to take our next break. Sarah and Judy, actually Judy and Sarah, I see you guys on the line. If you'll hold tight, we will get to you guys immediately after our next break. Again, this is Southern Remedy for Women. And all this excitement is about dermatology with Dr. Jasmine Hollinger. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To the last segment of Southern Remedy for Women, the show about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. And today we are talking dermatitis. No, dermatology. <laughs> and dermatitis. If you happen to have dermatitis, then you can call a dermatologist, and that would be great. Uh, our guest is Dr. Jasmine Hollinger, a dermatologist extraordinaire um, and favored guest at Southern Remedy for Women. And we are going to, as promised, go back right to our phone lines. And we are going to hear first from Judy, who's calling us from Pontotoc. Good morning, Judy. Hello. Hey there. Okay. I've given y'all every opportunity for years to talk about electrolysis. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't done it. But uh, uh, to Jean in Pontotoc, there's a, there's a woman in Tupelo um, who does electrolysis, and it's just wonderful. You don't 
you go a couple of times and you don't have to worry about those hairs anymore. So, so that is, so we mentioned the importance of, so that is, so electrolysis is one way to have hairs removed. Um, and then there's also laser and other things. I think that the most important thing is just being careful about how those things are done. Cause whenever you have those right. technologies, especially on exposed pl- places, because usually the, the cosmesis is part of the issue. And so people are really concerned and you just want to make sure that it's done in a way that doesn't leave discoloration or other problems right. with the skin. So the the technique and the the uh, expertise of the individual that's doing it is of utmost importance. I would say. Would you not agree, Dr. Yes. Hollander? Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly Heck, agree. Yes. Some about ele- electricity and my skin. I just from a very young age have thought that those two didn't really go together <laughs> very well. So I am scared to death of the electrolysis. But Judy, you it sounds like you've had a really positive experience. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. And and people drive from all over the state to see her. And uh, I mean, it, it's just it's a it's a miracle. Really. <laughs> I love yeah. it. It's a miracle. It can, it can be. <laughs> I would just make sure, you know, the only thing Who's I always it? put white word to the wise, um, you know, there's these spas and med spas that jump up on every street corner. Right. And so I just, you know, incur- and, and a lot of times it's the public doesn't know who has what certification, who has what training, who has what knowledge base. So it's just important to do your homework, do your research, um, because you don't want to go, well, this person on this corner is like 100 books cheaper um than the doctor's office but you know as they say you get you get what you pay for um and so you just have to keep that in mind um when you're you know doing any kind of cosmetic procedure but um electrolysis is definitely an alternative and the good thing about it is it can treat it can treat any kind of hair so that includes gray or white um whereas laser can't um, you know, but with anything you do, there's, a, of course, potential side effects. So just, you know, keep that in mind as well. Awesome. I love the Pontotoc people calling in to give each other a little community support. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Thanks so much, Judy. They're having a watch party, I think. Look, and just for you, Judy, we are we have already written it down and we're going to start working on having a we're going to do a, a show about electrolysis and some of these other therapies. So we'll focus specifically <laughs> on that just for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Um, We are going to stay on the phone lines and hear from Sarah, who um, is calling us from Pearl. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Um, Okay, so about eight months ago, I changed to a stronger birth control to kind of help with some cystic acne that I've been having, and it has worked. It has helped. And um, However, I have recently developed some noticeable melasma on my upper lip, and I was just wondering if you could talk about possible treatments for that and you should know i already wear sunscreen i use a retinoid <laughs> okay what is your sunscreen. spf for your sunscreen um i 25 in a moisturizer and then i have spf 15 in my makeup and my foundation okay okay so um melasma is something we commonly encounter um in our office and so um 
The thing with melasma, a lot of it is we do see it mainly in women because hormones play a huge role. Um, and so, yes, pregnancy is one um, potential trigger as our birth controls, hormonal replacement therapy. Um, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 because you said it's really helped your acne, but then it's triggered the melasma. Um, so it may be a conversation you want to talk to your um, OBGYN about what other alternatives um you may have if that's who put you on the assuming that's who put you on the birth control and the good thing yeah. about birth control is that they're varying um you can it's easy now to change the amount of hormones mm-hmm. because it, we now have birth controls that have varying amounts of hormones so you have a lot more to choose from mm-hmm. than they than there were in existence 30 or 50 years ago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so um treatment wise so sunscreen uh which you've already duly noted you wear is very important because the sun is a known trigger of melasma uh what we typically recommend is at least spf 30 um and kind of a quick thing about the types of sunscreen so usually we prefer um our melasma patients to wear physical blocking sunscreen and so those are two ingredients in particular uh titanium dioxide and zinc oxide which you see most commonly over the counter are um your chemical blocking sunscreen so like those weird funny names that nobody can pronounce um but the physical blockers just do a little bit of a better job of blocking the sun um than what chemical blockers do and then another kind of component of that is we like to see iron oxide in um our sunscreens for melasma and that's um blocks what we call visible light so that's the light we see and there's been a lot of data to suggest visible light also triggers melasma um, usually you find iron oxide in your tenant uh, sunscreen. So there are a few products out there that are tenant, so they kind of look more like a makeup. Um, so th- that would be very important. Also, um, there are some topical things you can use, uh, prescription and chemical pills to help with melasma. We typically don't recommend um most dermatologists are not going to recommend laser and light-based therapy because it may work, but for a lot of patients, it may come back worse. Uh, so my mentors that have done melasma for much longer than I've probably been born um, do not recommend light or laser-based therapies, but there are some dermatologists that use that treatment modality. Uh, but sunscreen is definitely a must. Um, I also encourage getting your um, thyroid checked to make sure that's not a component of it as well. Um, so, but if you want to be, you know, treated beyond just sunscreen, I'd say definitely come and see a dermatologist. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So here's the thing that's really funny. When I was a little kid, so my mom has melasma Mm -hmm. and I thought when, when I noticed it, when I was younger, before I knew what it really was, I, that was why I thought it was because it was in the same place that she put her uh, blush. (laughs) That I thought that that was what happened when you didn't take your makeup off at night. (laughs) So I was just like, oh, we've got to always make sure that we clean up, clean our faces. If you put makeup on, you got to clean your faces off. Because if you don't, then your skin will change colors there. Um, And so, um, mom, if you're listening, I I figured it out now. That is not because she was dirty. So we have just a few more seconds before we um, get ready to wrap up. And I I did promise at the very beginning of the show that I was going to share something that I learned that has really been very good for me. So just talking about basic skincare, um, I have learned that using vitamin C serum, um, hyaluronic acid serum, Mm -hmm. and a retinoid, a retinoid, uh, acid sen- ret- retinoic acid serum like mm-hmm. I put this little concoction together uh-huh. and I use this on my face every day uh-huh. and 
it's really made a difference. Like my people have noticed. They're like, wow, you're glowing. And I was like, and I'm not pregnant. And so, because that's all, that's what they think of yeah. us when they hear that. That you're glowing. Um, exactly. And I'm like, no, it's actually my new skincare regimen. And I, mm-hmm. I can feel a difference in my skin. It actually feels dewy. Dewy. I like dewy. I like that term. Jasmine, I'm so glad that you came to hang out well, with me. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I Allie, we fun. miss you. We miss you. We Absolutely. miss you. <laughs> Guys, thank you all so much for being with us. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White, producer extraordinaire. Liz Gill was our excellent call screener. I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. Thank you all so much for being with us. And join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.